0: The Heineken Cup. European rugby at its best since 1995. Brought to you by The Guardian and Heineken.
1: Hello, welcome to the Heineken Cup podcast. I'm Eddie Butler and we'll be previewing the new season, the 15th season of European rugby and trying to work out who's going to win or at least where the blood's going to be spilt this season, of course. There won't be any, because of what happened last season. But we'll be reminding ourselves of what happened back then. And so it's a job for more than one person. So with me in the studio, one of the game's great scrum halves, a former Heineken Cup winner, and currently Heineken ambassador-less, Rob Howley, and one of the game's great tourists, The Guardian's pan-continental rugby union correspondent Rob Kitson, Double Rob, The Howler and The Kit Kat. Good to see you, Rob H. How are you?
2: Good, Eddie, and yourself?
1: Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Rob K. Very good, very good. Looking forward to the season as ever, as ever.
3: No, always. I mean, plenty of blood to be spilt. I'm, I'm, I hope not. I mean, we've, I think we've had enough of that, haven't we? All, all summer, to be honest. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it as ever. Heineken. Can't wait. It's
1: like trepidation with Wales easing their way into the season.
2: Easing, yeah, been a slow start for the Welsh regions, but uh, I think if the Heineken Cup produces uh, the semi-finals, which we saw last season, uh, who can forget the Blues Leicester game at the Millennium Stadium, the kick-out, and a great other semi-final, Munster Leinster.
1: The wonders of the Heineken Cup. Let's start off by remembering what happened last season. I don't know how long we've been doing this, but. Been carrying around a
0: penalty shootout card for all these years and it's come out of the jacket here it is Cardiff Blues Ben Blair first kick and suddenly those posts narrow don't they Blair but not for him They had the nerve in normal time Jordan Crane for glory here he looks at the posts he looks to Edinburgh he can see And there is simply no keeping Leicester out of the European picture. Now it's Leinster threatening to hit that spot. Hitting the rock is O'Kelly. His Whitaker and here is Heasley. They do hit the spot. And now the blue flags in full evidence. And Leinster's European dream comes right back into focus. Sexton. It's there! Nobody was entirely sure. Certainly not the kicker, but Johnny Sexton. Is the cup staying in Ireland? Is that the score?
1: Thanks to Sky for the clips there. So, Leinster of Ireland came out on top, beating Leicester Tigers 1916 at Murrayfield back in May. A wholesome conclusion. But along the way, we had the all-Ireland semi in Dublin. Soft Leinster against tough old Munster, the Alan Quinlan incident. And before that, the quarter against Harlequins and Tom Williams. Fake blood and real eye-gouging. Leinster went through it all last season. Rob Howley, what stood out for you in last year's Heineken Cup?
2: I think semi-final. Uh, the Blues Leicester, uh, obviously the Heinlein Cup. I don't think that a game of that nature should be finished with a kick out. No, I don't know, not at all. I think that to see Martin Williams, a non kicking uh, player, kicking as he did. And it was so disappointing from a Blues perspective to go out that way in a, in a major semi-final of a cup.
1: You might say that a Jordan Crane, non-kicking number eight, landed the goal. He, he, his nerves could stand it.
2: Yeah, I think though the Highland Cup is uh, the premier tournament in the northern and if not the world, and I think that uh, a tournament of this nature should be decided on. Uh, better aspects in the game than, uh, you know, a forward kick. And I know forwards all think they can kick the ball, Eddie, but uh, to actually finish on that note and be k- obviously lose, I think, is hugely disappointing. Kick
1: something. Um, I mean, it was one of the great weekends of, of rugby, the two Heineken semi-finals last year.
3: I think I think they've changed the rules now this year, haven't they, for the for the kick-outs? I think, have, it, well. I think it's only three players now, specialist kickers, from a, a, a variety of pre-specified places on the pitch. So we won't have Jordan Crane or... The or, floor has been exposed. It, it has, it has. But so... It, it was to...
1: still it was still a memorable memorable occasion oh.
3: Fantastic, as was, as was the Irish game. I mean, you, I wasn't there, but even through the television set, you could you could tell that was one hell of an occasion. Biggest crowd, certainly for a club game in, in Ireland and I think Europe.
2: It's quite unbelievable, isn't it, how far the Highland Cup has come in terms of Croke Park and Millennium Stadium and even going into pool games now where you've got 40,000, 50,000 crowd watching the Heineken Cup. And I think only 20,000 watched the first Highland Cup final to lose uh, Cardiff back in ninety five. You playing? No, I wasn't, Eddie. I wasn't. <laughs> went not you? No, no, You after I went to Cardiff. You we
1: were flitting between Bridgend and Cardiff <laughs> yeah. in those days, were you? You've
2: got that one right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Rob, I mean, I, I, I was in Dublin. It was it was absolutely fantastic. And there were about two people in the crowd of 90,000 who said that Leinster might actually rise to this occasion and not be beaten up by Munster. Mm. Mm.
3: No, they did. And I mean, if we'd been sitting here this time last year tipping who we thought might, might win the tournament, I don't think anybody would have said Leinster. And they did rise to the occasion. I remember the, the game they had against Wasps in the qualifying stages in Dublin. They absolutely took Wasps Wasp apart that day. And maybe that was a, a sign of things to come. And I think if you look back in retrospect, what they did have, they had the, the outstanding individual in the tournament, Rocky Elson, and they also had Brian Driscoll. Now, last season, those two were world-class without a shadow of a doubt. And in retrospect, perhaps it wasn't such a, such a shock.
2: On that, Rob, as well, I think what Leinster, what no one expected was their defence. That was so good, taking obviously a Sean Edwards mantle here that uh, you know the defence of Leinster was a standout ingredient of their game which we all know how Leinster can attack with of Brian or Driscoll and their ball carrying or Rocky Elson but no-one perceived how hard they'd work without the ball and their defence was a standout ingredient to their success last season.
1: And they discovered some players who rose to the occasion. Johnny Sexton, mm-hmm. props like Stan Wright who came in and, and just said look, you won't miss the, the Stars, we'll, we'll step up to the plate here.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Jonathan Sexton, uh, you know, has started off this season particularly well as well. He's a very tall number ten, uh, and obviously his running game and kicking game, uh, you know, certainly when you go back to the Crook Park experience last season, the semi-final. Uh, you know, everyone was talking about the counter Pony factor against Sexton, and it's certainly he came out on top, and that will, you know, bode him in really good stead for this season. And uh, I'm looking for big things from Jonathan Sexton, because I think he's one player who can actually put pressure on Agava for that number 10 slot. Do
1: you think the power is with the Irish that, um, although they're taking the Magnus League seriously, they still can focus a lot of attention on the peaks of the Heineken Cup?
3: Well, I think there's a, there's a couple of things there. I think one, it, it's very hard to win this tournament back-to-back. Only Leicester have ever done it 2001, 2002. Very, very tough. So, so for Lein- everybody after Leinster, they got, there's no element of surprise this time around. Munster, I mean, you <laughs> have to say you're never back against Munster in any competition. I mean, you, you, there is the issue tournament starts... Very shortly, the Magnus League hasn't really been, been, been. You know, as I say, slowish start. Or yeah. maybe that's the that's the wrong word. But not if but, you're Edinburgh. Not if you're Edinburgh. No, I'm, I'm talking about the Irish uh, Irish provinces. Oh. As I say, will they get to the start line in the sort of shape they'd like to get to? Those first couple of rounds can be crucial, as we know. So, it, not guaranteed. But I, I'd say Munster of the two.
1: I'm just looking at the fixture list I mean Leinster have a game against London Irish in the first round I don't think it counts anymore as an all Irish affair is it <laughs> the way London Irish <laughs> have recruited only for Bob Casey yeah.
2: I th- the interesting thing for I think Munster and sides yeah. like the Blues and maybe the Ospreys in terms of uh, the number of lions that they've had playing during the summer obviously been given garden duty over the last six or seven weeks now, particularly the Munster players who probably will only have one or two games preparation, London Irish first up. If you look back to 2005, they lost a sale post-Lions 2005. So as a team, of course, they they can galvanise, they've got the experience, but can they turn it on in the initial stages of the Highland Cup? And that's where you know London Irish will fancy their chances because I'd imagine like O'Connell... O'Gara oh will only be playing one or two games before that game.
1: I'm just looking to see what Ulster have got before we move on. They're at home oh they've got a tricky one too former winners Bath.
3: Ravenhill Friday night it does depend on the weather but I, I don't think anybody would ever describe that as simple whoever you are. Uh, Bath little bit hard to read at the moment actually they they had a very good away win having said that if, if Friday night's cancel for anything they won in Friday night uh, in sale on Friday night uh, which is a, a good result. I don't think sale played all that well but even so that was a a good win for them last week in the Premiership, so yes i I back bath for that I think they'd, uh, they've got they've still got quite a bit of now there despite all the problems they 've had in the summer.
1: Rob, you are your um, assistant coach with the Welsh team, head of attack um, <laughs> Have you been uh, tearing your hair out over the Welsh regions this season
2: yeah it 's been frustrating, uh, having watched the Blues and the Ospreys initially, both with different problems, uh, obviously the Blues. Uh, Having lost Nicky Robinson to Gloucester has been a a huge factor. Sam Norton Knight has come over from Australia, uh, hasn't played 10 too often over the last two and a half years and certainly looks that the way the way he started off uh, the season. And, you know, the 10 is crucial, as we all know, to implement in a game plan. Uh, the Ospreys are going through a changing game. Uh, I think, obviously, with Scott Johnson as director of rugby, wants to change certain aspects, uh, want to create his own identity and culture within the team, and uh, obviously that's going to take time. To be honest, Eddie, they haven't got that much time. When you look at their Highland Cup Open games in terms of uh, Leicester, for Road and then Claremont at home I think that uh it's probably the hardest start of all the games, really. You know, they need to come away with something, uh, particularly, you know, in Welford Road and Claremont, would they have learnt the lessons which they've had over the last two years because, you know, they haven't done too well at Welford Road.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll come on to the Scarlets and uh, the Dragons, but just to, just to go back to that Cardiff Blues fixture, they've got the Harlequins at home. Will there be any hangover for the Blues having lost on a penalty shootout and Harlequins Harlequins having lost so much blood? <laughs>
3: hard to tell I think if if there are hangovers involved I think they're probably on the Quinn side to be honest I think uh, from their results so far despite their best efforts there is that must have hit them psychologically in terms of the loss of Dean Richards in terms of the turmoil off the field they're a pretty resilient bunch having said that you wouldn't say they'd embarrass themselves or they won't they won't go down in a in a a complete heap but I, I just think the standards of the Heineken Cup are such now that
1: if you're even a couple of percent off against the side as good as the Blues then
3: it's it's very very tough.
1: The scarlets and the dragons. if There is action. It tends to come from those two. They're playing with a bit of, of buzz, and you know, in the, in the dragons' case, with uh, an expected vigour.
2: Yeah, both are playing. You know, particularly uh, you know the dragons. They've got a winning mentality. And when you speak about uh, you know Paul Turner uh, and his role there, I think he's been equally frustrated in the games which they've lost last season. You know, by one to seven points in the last twenty minutes. They seem to actually know how to win those games now. They s- certainly started particularly well. You know, when you look at that pool two with Beeritz uh, you know, and Gloucester, I think they fancy their chances. I think it's an open pool out of all the pools. You know, Paul Turner must be thinking, well, look, you know, we're going to be really hard to beat at home and we can go to Gloucester. They played Gloucester in the EDF last year and uh, they gave them a good game for 70 minutes. I know it was in the EDF and maybe second teams were out by Gloucester, but they competed well and they will fancy their chances in pool two with the Dragons. The enigmatic Scullyts. Yeah, I think uh, they're playing with some width. And depth in the game uh, in attack. They're creating quick ball at the contact area. And I think, you know, in Martin Roberts, Steve Jones hasn't played yet. They've got great experience with Steve coming back at 10. A young development player, Jonathan Davis, at 12. But they've got an inexperienced backline. I think when you look at the Scarletts last season, uh, Eddie, they played six, lost six in the pool. And I think they were really disappointed because. For so many years, Scarlet had carried the Welsh flag in Europe and that hurt them last season. And this season, I think it could be the experience of the Heineken Cup. If they can win their home games, and that's what I think they'll start off with, a sort of a little target, they will be competitive in that pool.
1: For me... The Heineken Cup came of age when teams went to Brive and found the French Fortress and, and, and had a feral go at battering it down. And if that meant going to the bars afterwards and battering them down too, <laughs> so <laughs> be it. But the Breiv-Ponteprith games and the Breiv-Cardiff game, you were playing in that one, weren't you? That's right, yes. Yes, yeah, yes. I remember yeah. they were great encounters. I mean, talk about aggression and animosity and rugby fuelled by quite healthy competition, but they were, they were brilliant affairs.
2: That's what you get over in France, isn't it? And I think this is what is so great about the Heinlein Cup. Uh, When you go to, whether it's France, Italy, Ireland, you know, physicality and the intensity and the whole drama of the Heinlein Cup, uh, you certainly get that in places like Briefe or Stad. And it's important that you front up. And uh, we didn't front up that day with Cardiff, but Ponty certainly fronted up, whether that was on the pitch or off the pitch, Eddie, for others to say.
1: But there was half a metre of snow everywhere, wasn't it, when Cardiff went over there. It was bitterly cold, and
2: Jonathan Davis had snowballs thrown at him. I think.
1: I mean, I think you're right about
3: the Heineken Cup coming of age that year. I, I would actually date it to the final when they they Breiv came to Cardiff and they took Leicester apart. Absolutely fantastic performance, and everybody sat back and thought, "Gosh, you know, this is this is something else." This is, it, was, it. Moved the game up an, a level before, in front of your eyes,
1: and there was something to be said for Bath going to Bordeaux and beating Breiv, who were. Mm. Clear favourites then. So, yeah, it really sets something going. I mean, English clubs have had more than a say in where the trophy ends up. What about their chances this year?
2: Interesting to try and gauge the Guinness Premiership at the moment. You know, obviously we said earlier about Bath, it was a slow start. They've lost uh, one out of three. Gloucester, they started particularly well against Bath, but then they've fallen off. I think the the biggest uh, hope for England, to be honest, may be obviously Leicester and Northampton. Quite fancy Northampton, but when you look at the pool of Munster and Perpignan, they've got a huge ask. and uh, Leicester are never far away when cups are handed out at the end of the season, are they?
3: Leicester have got a slight problem this year. They've got nine players in the in English qualified players who, who are essentially contracted. They'll be available for the hiking games, but they're going to have to. Ebb and flow a bit. I think I think they're worried that they haven't quite got the depth. They've, they've spent a lot of money on their big stand. They haven't quite got enough, um, as many players perhaps to call on as they've had done in the past. I, I've got to say, I think London Irish. I think that big first weekend, that first Friday night, will be one of the big, certainly the biggest game of the weekend for me because I think they're different to the others. It's all up in the up in their head. They they've really decided to give it a go this season. They weren't happy to get to the domestic uh, final, grand final last season. They want to go further than that and Toby Booth their, their head coach is a very impressive bloke he, he works hard in that area and uh, I, I really fancy them particularly if they get a good start say against Leinster to, to do to do something I mean it, it's worth just saying at this point that the last two times they've had finals in France uh, English sides have won on both occasions so uh, this is the third time so there, there's an omen for you.
1: Just a reminder London Irish are in the same pool pool six as Breve, Leinster and the Scarlets. I don't suppose there's anything like an easy group anymore, is there?
2: No, that Leinster Irish game, as Robert said, is going to be a huge game, isn't it?
1: I you know, you look, you look where the Italian clubs are and you think, poor old Viadana, because along with them is Clermont Auvergne, Leicester Tigers, and the Ospreys.
2: Well, if you look at Pool 1 and Pool 3, you'd like to think that Munster, Pippin, Northampton, uh, two of the three are going to go through to the next quarter-finals and pool three Claremont Ospreys and Leicester I think you know the Leinster Irish game for me would be a standout game in the first round
1: if uh, Northampton are going to be promoted then having won the the Challenge Cup last year will help wouldn't it that was a good game. I enjoyed that. <laughs> that was another, another lively game, wasn't it? Yes, I think. I think Northampton
3: are definitely developing. There's no doubt about it. It's been quite steady progress under Jim Mallinder, but I think he he he, he thinks he knows where they're going. He hasn't rushed it, uh, and they just look to me to have the signs of a. The, the Heineken Cup's not. It's not. You can lose it in the first couple of weeks, but it's not won in the first couple of weeks. And I think they're one of those sides who can can build a little bit. We haven't mentioned any Scottish teams yet, because I have to say, talking about the Dragons, that's so patient, Rob. Glasgow, for some reason. Glasgow worry. they just they just, just leapt out at me. Uh, and I just I just have a little suspicion, pool two,
1: they might not do too badly. I just have a suspicion. Beirits, Glasgow, Gloucester, Newport Gwent Dragons.
2: I think it's the open pool for me. I think that everyone has got the capacity to beat any. I think home advantage is going to be key and the side who can go on the road. Beeritz should have beaten the Blues at the Arms Park last season and they didn't. French sides, you know, we talk about they're not renowned for travelling. King's home is obviously they'll want that to be a fortress once more, and on their day, Gloucester away from home, you know you can beat them, and I, I just feel whoever takes their opportunity in that pool two and and gets a away win will be uh, the side that's going to go through.
1: Well, I'll, I'll I'll raise a hand for Edinburgh. I think they've been very different this year because they've always been quite full of. Endeavor. but they've got a hard core this year. They look pretty brain-tough.
2: Yeah, I think what they've got consistency in selection, and obviously with uh, you know Blair Godman at half-back, uh, certainly this one strength of Edinburgh in recent times, and it's instilled with Andy mean, they've certainly got a pack uh, you know, to front up, and Hogg uh, has been an influential carrier in, in in the Edinburgh pack for them. They certainly at line-out have no worries. And they, they will ask questions that pull for. I, I think they're the dark horses because Stade Francais haven't uh, started too well with the loss of their coaches. Just just to mention, Bath, Edinburgh, Stade Francais and Ulster. Edinburgh will be used to playing uh, Ulster. I think that they've gone to Ulster already and they've won in the Magnus League. Stade Francais, they'll fancy their chances. I know so many sides have gone up to Mayfield and struggled against Edinburgh they just need to get that away form right and uh, they've started the season very well beating the Blues at uh, Cardiff City so I'm sure... You know their performances will be well monitored in Europe.
1: Yes, you wanted to get on the Scots Robert, uh, can we move <laughs> on to the French now, is that okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Free, I ju- and you free. mentioned it, Rob Howley, <laughs> that um, you know, Stade Francais one of the giants of the game have, uh, have started the season and already got rid of their coaches, You and McKenzie and uh, Christophe Dominici, they didn't you, last you, long did they? You talk about me being impatient, I tell you what they. Yeah. they uh... <laughs> but actually they seem to have turned it round, they, they found some form
2: They have and uh, the one thing with which the French shi- sides are going to be they're going to be up and running, they've already played six Seven, they would have played nine games coming into the Highland Cup. The, the amount of talent which the French sides have, the strength and depth, they can uh, pick a different 15 one week to the next and, and still win. Certainly at home, uh, you'd expect uh, the French side, Stade Francais, huge amount of talent. As you say, they have turned, turned around and won the last two games in the French Championship.
1: Uh, Toulouse, Clermont, Stade Francais, I mean, it, it, they are the names. But actually, two of those have been beaten already by Johnny Wilkinson's Toulon, who are not in the Heineken Cup. So I I don't know, is is the balance of power shifting in France?
3: I I think there's a bit more depth, isn't there? I think think if you look at Toulon, I think if you look at Bayonne, perhaps, uh, if you look at Racing Metro, uh, these guys, you know, obviously... There's more money at the moment, anyway, in, in, in French rugby. How long that lasts, I don't know. But uh, if you were a fisherman and stocking a lake, you know, you, you wouldn't struggle to pick a good one out of out of there, would you? Out, out of a lot of these squads, Perpignan, obviously, they have you know no Dan Carter this time, but they they, they, they must didn't have get much of him first time. Well, true, but they 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 will be... confidence from, from winning that uh, French domestic title will be will be huge.
2: I think the French sides, in terms of what they target in the Heineken Cup or the top fourteen, isn't it? Uh, I know Clermont uh, in recent years have t- sent. Second teams in our know, way to Munster. I really fancy the chances of Claremont. I think they're a standout side. I watched uh, Clermont Toulouse in the top fourteen clash. Uh, I think there's about forty odd thousand watching. They were absolutely outstanding. And I know Toulon have obviously raised their bar and with great signings this season. I don't know whether it was a full strength side they played against Toulouse and Claremont on their day. Pretty special.
1: Clermont have a home game against Viadana first up. I could. Frighten the others in the group, Leicester and the Ospreys. Do you think it's a fact? I mean, Rob Kitson was talking about recruiting at the French clubs. I mean, they've taken a lot from the English clubs.
2: Yeah, they have, uh, and good signings. You know, obviously Ricky Flutie. Uh, you know, Johnny Wilkinson, just to name two. Or your Haskell going to uh, Stade France. It'll be interesting to see how uh, you know the English players deal with the top fourteen starts much earlier compared to uh, the Magnus League and the Guinness Premiership physical attrition throughout the season and it goes on much longer so be be interesting from uh, you know just to have a look at how their performances and how Martin John Johnson views that, that selection policy with uh, the English players based in uh, France
3: I think it will have a quite a big effect I think there's already sort of mutterings that maybe the English clubs have been diluted you know maybe the numbers have gone haven't been huge but there's some, been some some important players as you say and there's just that a subtle drift and not just of English players of, of other nationalities you know there aren't there aren't many. Argentines for example um, in, in, in English club rugby any longer which perhaps there were a few more before I'm thinking of Sale and you know Fernandes and fantastic player huge loss for them for example the finals in France the French clubs are, are, are better resourced I guess those are the sides to beat despite the fact that
1: uh, Leinster have the title I should have known that was a comma not a full stop <laughs> <laughs> just thinking of um, individuals who've, who've lit up the, um, the Heineken Cup and Brian O'Driscoll I think just was astonishing last year and I think it was, it was a glimpse of what might be on the Lions tour what might be in the in the Six Nations
2: Yeah I think Brian worked on his game I think when we watched you know in the Autumn Series in particular and the uh, Irish performances uh, Brian admitted that he wasn't at his best then all of a sudden you saw the transformation of Brian uh, who had worked on his game in the Highland Cup then he was absolutely outstanding in the, in the Six Nations for Ireland and probably actually Pulled uh, Ireland through on his own, really, because he, you know, scored a vital try against France. Scored against us uh, in the last game in the championship. He's just a unique player who can turn defences inside out and has got that raw ability to actually offload the ball as and when requ- uh, required. And he's quite a strong, strong ball carrier as well. Yeah. And that's uh, a huge strength of Ireland.
1: Talking of unique players, have you have you sort of said Gavin Henson is lost to the Welsh game now?
2: Well at this moment uh, it's for the Ospreys apparently that he's been given garden leave uh, I think it's an Ospreys issue uh, no doubt that uh, you know Gavin you know is a special talent he will be a huge loss to the Welsh game if and when he decides to uh, depart uh, the game I think rugby will be lost to him because I think that he's got that innate ability and something which on a rugby field uh, not many players have got that
3: I have to say I'm looking forward to seeing the guy next order to Driscoll on, on your Lions tour I, Jamie Roberts I, was a fantastic presence on that tour wasn't he and and uh, I, I almost to the point where you think well gosh if he, can he replicate that sort of impact that he had out there and, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him the, the, the other guy is, is Nick Evans it's ironic you know, all the fuss about Harlequins that we forget you know, Nick Evans orchestrating that uh, amazing sequence against Stade Francais kicking the winning drop goal I know he was involved in other circumstances against, against Leinster, but a major player. And uh, if Quinns are going to do anything in this tournament, then he'll be right at the hub of it. I
2: agree, and totally. And I think for, uh, with Jamie Roberts, uh, I think it'll be an interesting season for Jamie. I think that uh, everyone can see what he achieved on the Lions, how he achieved it. He's going to be marked much more closer how the Blues use him then, whether it's as a decoy runner uh, in attack. There's elements to Jamie's game which he keeps needs to uh, improve on, but you know his partnership with the Driscoll First on the Lions was something special, and uh, they had that ability to work off each other and just create space for people around them. For me, it'd be interesting to see how uh, Jean de Villiers goes in Munster. Yeah. I think what a signing! I think he uh, in attack and defence uh, he's got and the amount of experience that he can bring to O'Gara at ten. You know, Munster have got enough quality players, and they go and sign probably one of the world-renowned centres in world rugby.
1: I think the combination of Lefemi, Maffi, and Jean de Villiers. Oh. Mafi, I think Maffi extraordinary. I think he's, he's 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 the opposite. He's almost small by modern standards, and yet he puts himself about.
2: Well, exactly, and you've got the best of both worlds there, haven't you? you've got Jean de Villiers, uh, you know, power. And strength, strength in terms of offloading the ball in the contact. And if if you've got Matthew now reading, if they get a partnership going in the centre, mm. and uh, you know Ronan is pulling strings, you know they are going to be uh, as we as Munster always are, aren't they, in the quarterfinals, semi-finals.
1: For what it's worth, and I, it's a Ulster who who probably aren't one of the favourites, but I think Stephen Ferris is going to be a force in the game over the next five years. I thought he was um, something different on the Lions tour and.
2: It was a huge loss to us, Eddie, on the Lions Tour. I think that uh I you know
1: it was lucky that Tom Croft was there, but I just well, I think yeah. Ferris was something else.
2: Yeah, I think that uh you know, like almost happens on Lions tours, you, you find out about players which not necessarily you actually see them when they're playing for to Island and uh he had that uh, ability. No one had seen his pace. No. Which game was no, that? That was, was, was the, um, the
1: Golden Lions. Golden Lions.
2: Golden Lions. Ran uh, in from
1: sixty meters.
2: Yeah, so he did. Has that? Has that? Has
1: that man got any pace? <laughs> oh, yes. That, that would be a yes. But no one had seen
2: it, had they? No, no one had seen it, and uh, I think that's what you know. A Lions tour is all about, and uh, he was certainly a big miss first on tour when uh, unfortunately he got injured.
1: Okay, um, predictions. Have you got a? Go on.
3: Well, I think... Let's have a think about this. I think it's going to be an English-French final, just because I think every time it's held in France, it appears to be that way. So I'm going to go for Claremont against London Irish in the final. Uh, Claremont to win.
2: You've been reading my notes, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Claremont to win. Yeah. I haven't picked a finalist. I'd go a little bit different to Rob then. I'll go Claremont against Munster. Claremont to win.
1: Oh, I'm going to go to London Irish... And London Irish against... Oh, I've got to go for something. Come on. It's about time Wales had a... It'll be London Irish against the Ospreys, who will suddenly say, it's Europe, we've got to get serious about something.
2: I hope you're right. Uh, yeah. And the Blues.
1: You're going to put much money on that? To... Uh, none at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 absolutely none at all. Now, look, it has been going for 14 seasons. This is the 15th. And, you know, I've said Breeve was my memory as player. Coach, you did do something a little bit special. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> this is what Rob Howley did that was special.
0: 80 minutes means 80 minutes on the clock. Remember, and Howley is going down the line. Oh, oh my <laughs> goodness! Howley, what has happened there?
2: Remember that? Just a little bit. <laughs> I, I, everyone keeps asking me of the Heineken Cup Monum, particularly the the Trews game back in 2004. And whilst it was, you know, an individual moment uh, the semi-final for me when we played uh, Munster in Lansdowne Road, I think that uh, it was probably one of the best games I've ever been involved in, it had drama it had everything, I think that it's scored five tries, there were four yellow cards Trevor Leota scoring in the 78th minute, us coming back from the dead being 10 points down with 13 mm. minutes on the clock While you're wallowing in nostalgia have a listen to this
0: Fully controlled, Stringer. (laughs) Now there will be no greater place in Munster history than the one reserved for the man who scores the special individual try. Stringer, Stringer, (laughs) Stringer. Rinley. straight and direct. Dupuis, Vesti might be a man out wide extra here. It's taken on by Woods. They don't need the man out wide. They only need a Ben Woods. On the day that the Tigers are looking to match the French Giants to lose and create a record to sit at the summit of European rugby. They come back into the final and take the lead just before half time going the wrong way for Leicester if they want to drop goal going far the wrong way there's the penalty and it's gone to Leinster and everybody knows it's Leinster at last they've got
1: there because that was i mean we talk about the two semi-finals last year. I mean, it, it, the Heineken Cup has produced, hasn't it? You sometimes think, oh, finals are boring, but not in the Heineken Cup. It has produced these great weekends.
2: Yeah, it has. And I think that uh, not only in the semi-finals and finals, Eddie. I think you know the likes of Scarlets have gone out to Toulouse in the pool and and beaten Toulouse in Toulouse. And I think that uh, that's what's special about the Heineken Cup. I think that the players and coaches. Uh, are asked so many questions because of the different types of uh, games that you want to play against the France, Italy. And, you know, since, you know, the likes of 95, the Italians and Scottish have come into it. And no doubt they're, okay. they're not as strong as probably the likes of the English, Welsh, the French and the Irish, but they've got stronger. And at home, when you go to Italy, it's, you know, it's not an easy place to go. Whereas 10 years ago, you'd be thinking, well, you know, we're going to have the bonus point.
1: When you were chasing that kick in the closing minutes of the final and you saw Clement Poitronneau ushering it. Did you think, oh, God, I could have blown this?
2: I didn't think anything, to be honest. I just was, my, my eyes were totally focused on the ball. I didn't, didn't have a clue what uh, you know, Poitronneau was going to do. Thankfully, I've never seen a rugby ball bounce as straight as it did for about 10, 15 minutes. Odd-shaped balls, apparently. They're <laughs> supposed to go left or right. But uh, it, it was just an, an amazing finish. Uh, I think that Toulouse deserved to win that final. I think that they, the, they were the best side. I think that uh, that's what's so special about the Heinlein Cup, the, the drama, the intensity and the special moments which players like me have to wallow in on these occasions. Robert?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, if, you, if you're going to stitch together the best bits from 15 years of, of the Heineken Cup, I mean, Munster would probably take up two-thirds of it, wouldn't they? I mean, I I, I was there a miracle match when they beat Gloucester, 33-6, had to win by that amount. O'Gara, the conversion at the end—he didn't—he didn't know what the maths were. Uh, you, you had to—I mean, you, well, you didn't have to be there to find it unbelievable. But being there was extraordinary.
1: Was that the game where they left the game plan in the in the taxi? <laughs> I think yes, Gloucester, did. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, they did, yes. I know. <laughs> but done, they done—they did sail. They did wasps. They had, on that last weekend. Yes, that
3: season was extraordinary. You—you you, you could go on. I, the one that always sticks in my mind is Toulouse Munster in Bordeaux. They had—they had a semi-final down there. It sticks in my mind a because that was one of Munster's sort of great early winds roasting hot day and also I've never been to a lunch like that beforehand they had 60, 60 <laughs> tables that's the
1: spirit and they had yeah.
3: I've never seen there 60 tables all of a sudden there was a sort of uh, olé and they came in with, with, with must have been uh, 600 trays of oysters came marching into the far end of the room you, 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 only, you don't see that very often in your life red
2: wine after I presume
1: no none of that no <laughs> on that note that brings us to the end of this Heineken Cup podcast my thanks to guests Rob Howley and Rob Kitson I'm Eddie Butler many thanks for listening And enjoy the new season. Let it bleed. The Heineken Cup. European rugby at its best since 1995. Brought to you by The
2: Guardian and Heineken.